Hey there, future fans. This week, our big feet get cold, our sweethearts get old, and some bad insurance gets sold. This is the week of September 27th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 152 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right it is episode 152 as of this recording the episode is unnamed but i bet you by this time i have come up with something very interesting very witty that you're thinking oh billiam you're so good at naming episodes you're so clever and we look forward to your charming wit each week then i would go oh stop no 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 i'm not that good really and secretly hoping you would keep going and when you don't i'd cry a little but it's okay It's okay, I will get over it. I have to say, the only downside of days that I record is that I love me some soda. I do, and I I don't drink soda. I also don't drink milk. And if I do, it's really early in the day with my cereal. God, that sounds gross, doesn't it? Soda and milk, like you just mix them, and it's the worst thing for recording ever. What are you drinking today, Billiam? What kind of beer? Oh, not a beer, just uh, Pepsi and milk. God, one time I got this soda. Where where did we get it? We got it at a grocery outlet or... Maybe in the in the last chance super sale bin at Knob Hill somewhere. And it was some like organic, supposedly healthy for you soda. And I thought it tasted awful. Like, good God, give me some chemicals, please. I will take some unorganic chemicals up in this gob and you can take your organic shit and give it to some hippie. All right. Actually, that's mean to Anne. She actually liked that soda. Well, anyway, let's stop talking about soda and start talking about the show. What is this show? What are you listening to? What am I even talking about? Who is me? Good question. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. Thus, I am your host, Billiam. On this show, we do quite a few things. We start with some general rambling. Then we get into the structured show, which goes as follows. We go with the news first. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. We go into the trailers, just like the news. Any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. If I ever miss any, if I miss any news, miss any trailers that you think I should talk about, just let me know. You can find ways to contact me in the show notes or at the end of the show when I do the closing housekeeping. We then get into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. The first category is the limited releases, and the next is the wide releases and interesting indies. In both the sections, I tell you what the movie is, who's in it, and what it's about. And then that's where the limited stops, because we don't care about them. Maybe you'll care, but I don't care. Then we move into the wide releases, which goes a little further. I then give some thoughts on the movie, and then I give it a score. That's called the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. This score is based only on the trailer, just like my thoughts and placements. If it's placed in limited releases, it's because the trailer didn't look interesting. And the Billiam score can go anywhere from a 0 for a terrible, terrible film to an 11 for a film that kicks it up that extra notch. We then have a pick of the week, and then we wrap up the movies, and we go into the question of the week, which is a segment that will keep going until I start repeating questions too much. And then I send you along your way to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, like the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the flagship podcast of the network, and the Nerds of the Squared Circle, which is a wrestling podcast, and it's amazing. It's my favorite wrestling podcast, and I don't just say that. I've given other wrestling podcasts a shot. And the others aren't bad, per se. It's just Nerds of the Squared Circle is better. And just a little bit of future news for this show. I will be skipping the episode the week of October. Let's see, what is that? October 18th, because Anne and I will be taking part in the Spookathon, which is a yearly readathon. And you know what? The episode before that comes out, even though this is a movie podcast not books i'll tell you a little bit about it just in case you want to join in but just forewarning that's in one two three more weeks well my future friends let us waste no more time and jump right into the first segment 
which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This from Variety, the Batman movie is eyeing Jonah Hill for a yet unknown role starring opposite Robert Pattinson. The only thing we know thus far is that it's a villain role. Uh, Other casting news in the Batman world is that Jeffrey Wright has been cast or Actually, just as in talks, it's not even fully set yet. Jeffrey Wright is in talks to play Commissioner Gordon. Apparently, they've wanted Jonah Hill for this role, whatever the role is, longer than they knew they wanted Robert Pattinson to play Batman. But the talks didn't actually start until Batman was cast. And so now, we're in the middle of the talks. This next story comes to us from comicbook.com. The director of How to Train Your Dragon... Dean Dubois, I think. It's kind of spelled like Dubois, but with an L in it. Anyway, he is going to helm the live-action Micronauts trailer. If you did not know, which I had forgotten, Micronauts was a toy line turned comic book, a Marvel comic, that later IDW took over publishing, but they are getting a live-action movie. And now the question is, there, there are a couple questions here. The first question is how much freedom do they have? Just because when they when they announced the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, not a lot of people knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. They were unknowns to a lot of people. And the only reason I knew who they were before the movie came out is because I looked into it and then I bought the new set of Guardians of the Galaxy comics, which were made to go along with the movie so the set of Guardians were the same. Because you may have heard from me or from other sources that the original Guardians of the Galaxy had, I don't think, anyone in common with the with the ones in the movie. Yondu was one of them. Was Ro- Ronan one of them? I don't know. But with Micronauts, even fewer people will have remembered this. Or even if they do remember the toys existing, maybe they won't remember the cast. So they could re-up the cast or they could be true to the original comic. We will see once this comes out. In news from South China Morning Post, fans are saddened that Donnie Yen has confirmed that the next Ip Man movie, Ip Man 4, will be the last installment of the series. If you remember, it was either last week or a couple weeks ago that Sylvester Stallone basically admitted that as long as people will pay him to play his iconic characters, he will do it. Donnie Yen, though, said this is going to be the last Ip Man movie, and I I tend to believe him. Because Donnie Yen is still kind of in his prime, where he could get a lot of work still. While even though a lot of people will always finally remember people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, they're not worth as much as they're, they're used to. And new movies they do that don't have anything to do with a previous property of theirs now goes straight to VOD or gets a very, very short, very lackluster, very small theater run. So someone like Donnie Yen, I tend to believe him that this is going to be the last Ip Man movie, especially seen as three wasn't as good as two. Like one and two were fantastic. If you've not seen those, do yourself a favor and watch them. They're some of the best Kung Fu movies ever. Three was enjoyable for fans, but not that great. And we will see where four goes. All right, folks, next up, we have a story from io9. Indiana Jones 5 is still happening? confused noise okay let me give you a breakdown of what this article says so initially the movie was set for a 2020 release date now it's pushed back to an unknown unspecific date in 2021 and they have harrison ford and steven spielberg on board and they're committed to seeing it through reportedly but now the question is who's writing it and let me quote this article directly so this article was written by julie muncie and she says last we heard the script was being reworked by dan fogelman from this is us who inherited the project from jonathan kazdan who himself took it on from david cope i think it's cope k-o-e-p-p and now according to den of geek cope is back on that's what cope himself said during an interview to the publication commenting i'm working on it again we're still trying i think we got a good idea this time we'll see and in totally related news i am not holding my breath for this film so this is what concerns me about this is the fact that they didn't have a good idea going into it and now that they think after having three writers on it one leaving and then coming back Now they are saying that they think they have a good idea. Don't even consider making the movie until you have a good idea. That is how these soulless and uninteresting and 
inspired sequels get made. It's just because they go, they, someone says, let's make another film in the such and such series of movies. They have the want to do it, to do it first, and then they force out a script. So I understand. I understand that sometimes that can work out, that they go, hey, let's make another, um, let's make another, what's some random, Back to the Future. Let's make another Back to the Future movie. And then they visit it and they're talking about it and they go, okay, we, we have a good idea. So now let's move forward. Or if they don't get a good idea, maybe they go, okay, let's shelve this until we have one. From the feeling I'm getting from the Indiana Jones 5 crew or the powers that be behind it, they don't care. And I don't care that we have Harrison Ford back. I don't care that Steven Spielberg is directing. I am concerned. Even if we see a trailer that looks good, I am still not going to hold my breath until the movie actually starts. So more on that as it develops... So Avengers Endgame, this story from Cinema Blend, has officially ended its domestic run on, let's see, September 12th. It spent 140 days, that's about 20 weeks, in the theaters, in the domestic theaters. It's still playing in overseas in a couple of countries, but in U.S. and Canada, it's done. And it grossed in just in U.S. and Canada $858,373,000. And here's where the number game gets tricky. So Avengers Endgame is still behind Star Wars The Force Awakens for a domestic gross. The domestic gross of Star Wars The Force Awakens was $936,662,225. That's a difference of, and thank you Cinema Blend for doing the math for me, 78 0.3 million. Though it totally beat Avatar in the domestic box office, which only got 760,507,625. So while Avengers Endgame in the worldwide total gross has beat everything, in the domestic game it is still second place. In a story from IndieWire, this one I I just really wanted to talk about because of the futility of it and the, well, no sh** of it. Todd Phillips, director of the Joker, upcoming Joker movie, says that he set this movie in the past because he wants nothing to do with the DCEU. So where do I even begin with all this crazy sh**? Okay, first of all, the DCEU is technically done with. We knew that even well before Shazam came out. So don't worry, Todd Phillips, there's no chance it's going to have anything to do with the DCEU. Point number two. Just because it's in the past doesn't mean they couldn't have worked it into the DCEU somehow. Third, it's so cute that you think it's your choice. Oh, you're so adorable, Todd Phillips. I believed he could have if, if he owned the property, if Joker was his. Kind of like how Robert Zemeckis owns Back to the Future, so no one can reboot it or make a sequel without his approval. But no, DC owns Joker. DC owns your movie. They can do whatever the f*** they want with it. If they decide tomorrow to bring the DCEU back, go, hey, guess what? We're still doing this sh And by the way, your Joker is going to be in this. We may not be able to get Joaquin Phoenix because he didn't sign a deal, but your, your Joker takes place in this world. There's not a goddamn thing Todd Phillips can do about it. So I do appreciate that Todd Phillips wants to distance himself from these movies that have a bad rap. I get that. I understand that he was trying to do something different than a regular comic book movie. I appreciate that as well. But the fact that he thinks he has any power in this situation and the fact that he thinks some of his choices would have mattered, it's cute. It really is. We have an update on Bright 2, this coming to us from Digital Spy, and the update is it's no closer to happening. This doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but it's no closer to happening, so says, uh, what's her name again? Lucy Fry, who played Tika the Elf in the first movie. I'm reading this article from Digital Spy, but she talked to comicbook.com about this. So while a Bright 2 may happen in the future, it's not in the books right now. And we have sad stories out of Hollywood, and one of them isn't really movie-related, but I just kind of wanted to say something because I was such a big fan. But of, of course, the first one was Sid Haig, the actor from House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. He passed away at the age of 80. And the mention that's just from me, because it's close to my heart, is that celebrity chef and frequent on shows like Guy's Grocery Games and Guy's Ranch Kitchen, Carl the Cuban Ruiz has passed away at the age of, I believe he was 44. And I know I've talked about this show before. I know I have. But I really want to press the fact that, that how great he was. And I would like it if at least one of you watches an old episode of Guy's Grocery Games from season eight, and it's the finale of the Triple D tournament. And that was Carl's 
first tournament win, and it's a great episode. He was a fantastic chef. He was super smart. And despite his online persona of being this kind of party animal, he, he was from all accounts, really nice behind the scene. And you know what? If you're not willing to give a the, the cooking show a shot, just drink some whiskey in memory of him. And remember to keep your pinkies up. Well, that is it from the world of news. As far as I know, once again, if I miss something, please let me know somehow. You can contact me in a multitude of ways, which you can find in the closing show notes or the, or the closing housekeeping and the show notes. But let us take a break. Our first break and hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. All right, I, let's be honest. I don't know if it's everyone's favorite segment. I just I just said that one day when I was recording, and it just stuck. And I think that's how a lot of the things I say in the show started. I just said it one day, and then I said it the next week, and then I said it the next week, and it became a thing. Like, the first segment, as always, is the news. If I ever don't say something like that, like the way I usually do, and I don't at least acknowledge it, either in the show or on Twitter or Instagram sometime that week, assume something is wrong and I'm being held hostage and for some reason still allowed to do the show. Well, either way, let's start with the trailer trove with the first film that we get a trailer for, and that's called Ordinary Love. This is a drama romance starring Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville, and it looks like this movie's going to tug on the heartstrings for a wide range of people for, for different reasons. So this is about Tom and Joan, an old married couple, and there's no question they're they're not in love. There's no suspicion of cheating on any of their parts, no no bickering, no anything. They seem to get along really well. One day, Joan is taking a shower and she notices something. She notices a lump in her breast, and that's never a good thing. And so starts her battle with cancer and how Tom is along going along with her and it's about their relationship and it's about her it does is this going to change her it will she come out of this alive and if she is alive how will she be changed if at all does she want to change how will this affect their relationship and i'm not very familiar with leslie manville i'm just going to say that right now uh she's been in films like the phantom thread maleficent topsy turvy and another year those are supposedly her big ones she was in the show Harlots and another one called Mum. But for Liam Neeson, I, I'm not sure the last time I saw him be this vulnerable and this real. That he, he looks, well, like the, like the title says, ordinary. He's just a regular person in this. I believe him as a regular person. He's not the guy that we've seen fight terrorists for three different movies. He's not the guy that we saw depicting Jean Valjean on screen. We're, he's not the guy that gets killed in a attempted bank robbery. He's just a man who is married to the love of his life and goes on this journey of hopefully survival with her. This film looks really good. Uh, there's no set release date yet. All it says on IMDb is 2019, which could mean anything it could just mean that 2019 there's a film festival it's going to play it's going to come out next year but i will tell you when i find something out but check out the trailer i think it looks like it's going to be really touching uh, the next trailer we have is for a movie called fractured it's a netflix original coming out on october 11th and it stars sam worthington this is a thriller about a man who's driving cross country with his wife and daughter they stop at a rest stop and at that rest stop his daughter falls and breaks her arm they go to a hospital and her his little girl gets seen and she's taken to get a cat scan or no an mri or one of those things to make sure that nothing really bad has happened she goes down with the mother for that test and never comes back up the father then inquires hey where's my daughter and they say no we have no history of your daughter here and or your wife and thus the movie this just seems like a basic a basic made for 
TV style thriller where it doesn't seem like it's going to be that it's not going to be challenging. It's not going to be a movie that really shocks you. It's going to be a basic film while not bad. Just eh. the only reason I thought I'd mention it is because it is coming out on Netflix and I'll probably talk about this on the show. Ah, shit. I should have saved this all for that episode. Oh, well, I'll just repeat myself then. But this comes out October 11th. Next up in the trove, we have a, a trailer for a TV show that I didn't talk about last week. I just want to mention it really quick because it looks interesting and it has everyone's favorite super nice guy, Paul Rudd, in it. This is a Netflix show that is eight episodes long so far. I don't know if it's a limited series or if it's going to go for more if people watch it, but it's called Living With Yourself. And Paul Rudd's character, life kind of sucks, and he goes to this experimental treatment at this spa that totally doesn't look like a rub and tug. And he wakes up after the procedure, whatever it is, and he's happy and life is great and everything's amazing. And he's in bed with his wife and Something wakes him in the middle of the night. He goes down. Someone attacks him. He finds out it's him. A super depressed, everything's horrible version of him. A version of him that woke up buried in a plastic bag in the middle of the forest, managed to crawl out and get back home. And now the two have to decide how are they going to move forward. This show comes out October 18th. And you know, while we're talking about Netflix TV shows, this one looks super interesting. This is called Raising Dion. And it stars Aisha Rainwright... Relative newcomer Jaisaia Young, and a special appearance, though short as it may be, from Michael B. Jordan. Oh, it also has uh, Jason Ritter in it, and this is about a young man who doesn't know his father because his father died a while back. And one day, he's out with his mother, and he sees this girl drop her toy rabbit. He goes to grab it, but he's in the middle of the street, doesn't see a car coming, and right before it hits him, he disappears and reappears in his mother's arms. Turns out he has powers. What are those powers? Well, it seems like he can do quite a few different things. He can teleport, he can move stuff with his mind, he can, he can has some sort of weather power too, and that's the good news. The bad news is the government is looking for people with powers, keeps tabs on them, and is coming for him. This show has a lot of promise. So far, it's set for nine episodes in one season, and we'll see if more is to come. All right, next up, folks, in the trove, we have a film called Playing With Fire. This co- comes to us from Nickelodeon Studios, and it stars John Cena, Keegan-Michael Key, Judy Greer, and John Leguizamo. And it's a family comedy. Well, not family-themed, but it's just, it, it seems like it's good for the whole family, seeing as it's brought to us by Nickelodeon. This is about a group of rugged firefighters who are smoke jumpers. They're the ones that fly into fire areas and rescue people. Legit super badass stuff. And one day on a job, they save this group of kids, a a teenager and her two younger siblings. And it turns out until they can find the parents or someone from Child Protective Services can come, the kids have to stay with them because that's something that would happen in the real world. So it's about this group of kids who wreak havoc on this firehouse and the hilarity that ensues. And it's, it's the kind of stuff you would expect. It's a kind of basic jokes slapstick comedy that you would expect from a film like this and you know what it it made me laugh a couple times it really did i don't think this is going to be a standout hilarious film i think it's going to be a cute film a cute harmless film that will make you smile that has a good cast and once again we will see how weird john cena looks with a full head of hair this comes out november 8th all right my friends next up we have the second trailer for frozen 2 And we learn a lot more. And I think that Disney does a good job with this trailer because as far as I can tell, because you know, none of us have seen the movie yet. As far as I can tell, it doesn't spoil a whole lot. I haven't been able to piece together the story so much that I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen now. But we know a bit more. We know that within these mists, there is this village or this other land that has been cut off ever since this something happened. We assume from the trailer that some sort of fight happened between two countries The mist rose up to protect this other settlement or whatever. And somehow the settlement or village or other country, whatever it is, is calling to Elsa. And unless Elsa answers the call, her country will be in in danger. So her and the crew go off looking to see what's up. This has the vocal cast returning of Jonathan Groff, Kristen Bell, Josh Gad, and Dina Menzel. And also joining is Evan Rachel Wood, Sterling K. Brown, Jason Ritter. And you know what? I'm sold. I want to see this. But Frozen was really a very dividing Disney film just because a lot of people loved it. It was a huge film. Let It Go was on the was on the radio 
for f***ing ever. And some people just got so sick of it that they are vehemently against anything frozen. Well, good news. If that's you, definitely don't see this. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. For the rest of us, we will have to make our decisions based on our love of the original and the looks of the trailers. So far, I really want to see this in theaters, but we will see when this comes out November 22nd. And my future friends, the final trailer in this section is for an Australian movie called Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan. And this is a Australian movie about the Vietnam War. And you know, what? let me just read you the premise. In August 1966, in a Vietnamese rubber plantation called Long Tan, 108 young and inexperienced Australian and New Zealand soldiers are fighting for the lives or their lives against 2,500 North Vietnamese and Viet Cong soldiers. So, you know, the Vietnam War, not a war that we get a lot of movies from. There have been a lot, definitely, but not anymore, really. These days, it's all World War II, some World War I, some Iraq War but mainly World War II. But this is not only a Vietnam War movie, but from Australia and about Australian soldiers. This stars Tramis Fimmel from Vikings and Warcraft and Nicholas Hamilton from, oh, It. He was Henry Bowers and Captain Fantastic and the Dark Tower. And sure, I'll, I'll see this in theaters. Nope, not at all. But I will see this one day. It doesn't look like the best war movie, but... It doesn't look bad either, so this film will come out, uh, let's see, no set American release date, though it came out in Australia August 8th, and it's going to hit Portugal. It's interesting that we know Portugal's release date, but not America's, on November 21st, so I'm assuming the American release date is somewhere in between now and then. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove, unless something comes out between now and when the show is released. I'm recording this on, uh, let's see, Monday the 23rd. So if something comes out between now and then, I will either have to skip it or talk about it next week. So let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, and then we'll be right back with the limited release section. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com All right, and we're back with the limited release movie, so let's just jump right into it. The first one is for a re-release of a movie from 1979, I believe, called Serie Noire, or Serie Noire, and it's about Frank Popart, is a slightly neurotic door-to-door salesman in a sinister part of Paris's suburbs. He meets Mona, a teenager who's been made a prostitute by her own aunt. Frank would like to change his life and also save Mona from her aunt, and murder is the only solution. So this is a French film, like I said, from 1979, and it's getting a very limited re-release, so if you care at all, look for it in a theater near you. But it may take quite a bit of hunting. Next up, we have a film that normally would make the wide releases in interesting indies, but this is just a very limited re-release, so I will talk about it when it's fully released. So for now, I'll just give you the basics. This is called The Report, and this is about an idealistic Senate staffer named Daniel J. Jones, who is tasked by his boss to lead an investigation into the CIA's post-9-11 detention and interrogation program, and he uncovers shocking secrets. This stars Adam Driver from Star Wars The Force Awakens, Annette Bening from American Beauty, Corey Stoll from House of Cards, John Hamm from Baby Driver, Michael C. Hall from Dexter, and Maura Tierney from ER. Next up, we have a film called Prey. Toby must survive on an island retreat while a sinister force hunts him, leaving bodies in its wake. He wants to leave, but then meets Madeline, a young woman who has lived on the island her whole life, and he won't leave without her. This stars Logan Miller from Love, Simon, and Christine Forseth from Sierra Burgess is a Loser. Next up is a film called The Death of Dick Long. Dick died last night, and Zeke and Earl don't want anyone finding out how. That's too bad, though, because news travels fast in small town Alabama. This stars Sarah Baker from Tammy, Sunina Mani from Glow, 
and directed by and also playing Dick Long is Daniel Scheinert. All right, well, why not just keep going? That sounds like a good idea, right? Next up in the limited section is a film called Groupers. A grad student kidnaps two homophobic high school bullies to use as her subjects in an experiment performed at the bottom of an empty swimming pool. This stars no one of note, and good God, do I have so many issues with this film. Okay, I get it. An easy way to make someone hateable. And... If you put them in a situation like one of the Saw movies or some of the traps from The Collector or the Strangers movies, a good way to make you hate someone and not care if they die or maybe even root for it is to make them racist, homophobic, sexist, some sort of ist that's generally a negative thing. Or in the case of homophobia, sexism, and racism, always a bad thing. But we have we have a couple facts here. They're high school students. So unless they're high school seniors born at just the right time, they're kids who are tied up facing each other at the bottom of the pool. And from what I gather from the trailer, they're not to be released unless they like make out or something. I I don't know if there's more to making out, but either way, it's really gross. And I get it. Homophobia is a bad thing. I I know this, but that doesn't make this okay. And I get that it's a a tongue-in-cheek horror thriller. But I have a hard time looking at this as anything but gross. And also, we have that golden rule you can apply here. If you switch the sexes, is it still okay? Or will you get the same reaction? So if we have this dude, a a college-aged man, kidnapping two high school girls who are homophobic or sexist or racist or anything like that, it doesn't really matter which one because it's not okay either way, but you have a college-aged man kidnapping two high school girls and doing the same thing to them it's a completely different movie and it's disgusting and it's wrong and i know i repeat this rule a lot i i get it the rule that Anne helped me figure out that if you switch things around is it still okay i know i repeat a lot but that's because i want it repeated a lot i want it drilled into the heads of as many people as i can get i mean i assume a lot of you out there more or less think around the same lines as i do which is especially another reason I try to keep my personal politics out of the show because I don't want to alienate anyone. Because I know for a fact that I have listeners from both sides, like hardcore both sides too. But for something like this, it shouldn't matter what side of the political aisle you come from. Just ask yourself, when a movie like this comes out, switch things around, is it okay? Let's make things super fair too. And let's say it's a a person kidnapping two gay people who hate straights. Is that okay? Because this is the this is the type of thinking we have to have. Because because I know for years and years and years and decades and for for so long, straight white men have been the cause of so many problems. But switching things doesn't make it okay, especially because because people like me, people like the rest of the somewhat nerdy crew, like the Watch Your Mouth crew, so many people out there, we would never have done anything like some of these people have done in history. And so we don't deserve treatment like that. So that's really why I want to hit this home. And I'm going to say it at least a little bit every time a movie that is applicable comes out. If you switch things around, is it still okay? So next up, folks, let's talk about a film called 10 Minutes Gone. Frank is finishing a bank job when he gets hit from behind. When he wakes up, he can't remember the past 10 minutes and the box, which is the one thing he was asked to steal, is missing. Only the person holding the box gets paid, and Frank wants to find out who betrayed him and killed his brother. This stars Michael Chiklis from The Shield, Bruce Willis from Look Who's Talking, and Kyle Schmidt from Being Human. And you know what? This this really could have made it in the next section, but it just... I'm sad. I'm so sad with that. Just the top two people. Let's forget Kyle Schmidt. Michael Chiklis, Bruce Willis. I'm so sad with that cast that was this in the 90s early 2000s that would have been a blockbuster mega million dollar movie level cast just those two that now this looks like a bargain bin a bargain bin dollar store movie all right folks next up we have a film called Buckout Road aka The Curse of Buckout Road a college class project on the creation and destruction of modern myth turns terrifying when a trio of young people come to realize the urban legends surrounding the famed Buckout Road may in fact be real this stars Dominique Profst Chalkley from Winona Earp, Evan Ross from The Hunger Games Mockingjay, Parts 1 and 2, Henry Cerny from Mission Impossible, and Danny Glover from The Color Purple. And, you know, Lethal Weapon series. I hate it when there's a 
low budget horror that comes out because there you can find some gems in low budget horrors. But when something in this movie in the movie is given a stupid name, the movie can be not bad. It could be a genuinely mediocre to even good movie. But if something is named idiotically, it could ruin it. Like, guys, the curse of Buckout Road is real. Here's something I learned just because on a whim I googled it. Buckout Road is a real place and there's real urban legends around it. I don't know how to feel about that. Just because it's cool that they're picking a real place, but at the, at the same time, it sounds dumb. I don't know. I'm over it. Let's talk about the next movie, which is called The Golden Glove, and it's the final movie in the limited section. A serial killer strikes fear in the hearts of residents of Hamburg during the early 1970s. And, oddly enough, this is a German film, seen as it's in Hamburg and all. Well, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And we're back. We are back with a film called Extraordinary, Extraordinary Rose. A sweet, lonely driving instructor in rural Ireland is gifted with supernatural abilities. Rose has a love-hate relationship with her talents and tries to ignore the constant spirit-related requests from the locals. But when Christian Winter, a washed-up one-hit wonder rock star, makes a pact with the devil for a return to greatness, he puts a curse on a local teenager, and Rose is the only one who can help. This stars Will Forte from Nebraska and Claudia O'Doherty from Trainwreck. It also stars Maeve, or Mav, Maeve, I think, Higgins, who plays Rose, but she hasn't been in anything that most of us would be familiar with. So this film looks really funny. This is an Irish horror comedy and it's just like it sounds uh, will forte plays christian winter this washed up rocker who wants to get who wants to get famous again and so he makes a pact with the devil and summons a demon and it all affects this teenager named rose not rose that rose is the woman who affects his teenager and rose decides to help and so basically it's this sweet but lonely old woman who's a driving instructor battling the forces of evil who are being controlled by a washed-up rock star. It's such a ludicrous idea, and from the looks of the trailer, it's pulled off really well. Like, there's some... Okay, let's be honest. You don't watch a movie like this, or even, let's go back to uh, Buckout Road. You don't watch movies like this and expect good CG, good... just good effects. You don't. You would be stupid if if you did that. But this movie, it's the way it's presented, the way it looks, the cheesy effects just add to it. And it gives it this wonderful feeling of a warm and fuzzy family comedy. But you also have this whole demonic possession thing going on. And it it just seems like an interesting film. Definitely something to keep an eye out for. And maybe even something that will make it on your list of, hey, that movie wasn't bad from this year. Maybe even something to just grab some friends, grab some beer and pizza, and just watch a silly film. Extraordinary gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have a film called In the Shadow of the Moon. A Philadelphia police officer corners a suspect in a recent string of murders. The suspect gets the jump on him, and instead of killing him, she jumps in front of a train. Years later, a potential copycat killer strikes, but is this a copycat, or could the woman who jumped in front of the train still be alive? Okay, well, yeah, she is still alive, and they make no no attempt to hide that from you. So I assume it's not a big part of the big part of the story. You may remember I talked about this movie last week. Um, this stars Boyd Holbrook from Logan, Cleopatra Coleman from The Last Man on Earth, Bokeem Woodbine from The Rock, and Michael C. Hall from Dexter. 
All right, this does look interesting. This is a Netflix original movie, and I don't think, I, I don't think it's one of those Netflix originals that's getting some theater time, just because they only tend to do that with movies they think will win awards. So this should be coming straight to Netflix on Friday. And that's really why this was put in this section, just because I... I do like to put emphasis on movies you can watch right away. I think it's one of the big benefits of these streaming services that when they do release something new, you can watch it right away. You can stream the whole series right away or the whole season right away if it's a show, which I do also think is a downside because then you watch all of Stranger Things in a week, in a day to a week. And then you're like, OK, I guess I have to wait another couple years for it to come out. But then again, you get it all at once. And that's awesome. Just like with this, when this movie comes out, you don't really need to make time for it. You just need to go, oh, do I have an hour and a half? Do I have two hours? I'm already home. Let's just do this. I don't have to pay for a ticket, for gas, for snacks, because I have snacks at my house because I have a really nice snack collection, which I hope y'all do. I hope you have a nice snack drawer. Whether or not if you're trying to be healthy, Evan, I do hope that somewhere in your house, you have just, just snacks. So when you want to sit down and watch a film, you could enjoy it because that's really a big part of a movie for me. I mean, if I go see a film and I don't have any food, will I still like it? Well, probably if it's a good movie, but it just adds to it, doesn't it? But this is the perfect movie to just pop a bowl of popcorn, sit back and watch it because you know it's right there at your fingertips whenever you want to watch it. In the Shadow of the Moon looks like a basic police thriller that has a little bit of sci-fi or supernaturalness to it, depending on which one they go with. I'm not sure. I think it's science fiction. I don't think she actually has powers, which would make it more supernatural fantasy. But either way, this doesn't look bad. And Really, when it comes to movies on streaming services, that's the baseline. It doesn't look bad. Because when it comes to movies in theaters, if you want to go see it, there's a lot more to it. And even movies I know I really want to see, I won't always make time for. But when it comes to movies on a streaming service, you probably got time. You got time somewhere, right? Well, you have time, hopefully, for In the Shadow of the Moon, coming out this week on the Netflix, and it gets a 6 out of 11. My future friends, next up, we have a film called First Love. A young boxer and a call girl get caught up in a drug smuggling scheme over the course of one night in Tokyo. This is a film from Japan directed by the legendary Takashi Miike, who did Ichi the Killer, Audition, and Blade of the Immortal. So Takashi Miike, famed director, famous director. And what I love about his films is that they're not just the... It may sound obvious, but it's not just the premise. Because with that premise, a young boxer and a call girl, it could easily be some half-smutty film where some super ripped guy is, like, trying to protect this girl. Oh, look how many times they can have sex in a single film. And let's just kind of loosely hang this plot off what's left of their clothing. And we know with Takashi Miike, it's not going to be that. There's going to be more to it. It's going to be a little deeper. And that's why you can never, especially with a ham fully judge a movie by the plot. Okay, well, to be fair, with a plot like Ichi the Killer has, maybe you could read that and go, I have no interest in this. Uh, hearing about a sadomasochistic Yakuza enforcer and how he meets a psychotic killer. Yeah, no, maybe I'm not into that because I'm not into lots of violence. Okay, fair enough. I get that. But with movies like First Love, where, let's be honest, if this was well, I have to be honest, if this was some super low-budget American film with, like, C or D-level actors in it, I may have judged it before I watched the trailer. But then if the trailer was anything like this, it would have changed my mind. I, will, I would have used it as a lesson going, see, this is why we don't do this. But Takashi Miike, great director. This film looks really interesting, and I'm definitely going to put it on my to-be-watched list. First Love gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, folks, we have four movies left in this episode, so let's talk about The Day Shall Come. Not to be confused with the heartbreaking movie, What Dreams May Come. No, no, this is The Day Shall Come. An impoverished preacher who brings hope to the Miami projects is offered cash to save his family from eviction. He has no idea his sponsor works for the FBI who plan to turn him into a criminal by fueling his madcap revolutionary dreams. This stars newcomer Marchant Davis, also stars Danielle Brooks from Orange is the New Black, Anna Kendrick, you may have heard of her from Pitch Perfect, or Twilight, or The Accountant, any number of things, Dennis O'Hare from Milk, 
and Jim Gaffigan from The Jim Gaffigan Show. Okay, I really like this idea. This is funny. This, But this definitely has political leanings. It doesn't seem like it's going to... I, I I say that it's not going to get in your face about it, but it's the whole premise. So it's kind of in your face, but they don't rub it in your face like there's some sort of super politically biased movie trying to rub their agenda everywhere. But so we have this basic premise that we as America create, help create the people we eventually fight or the people that we eventually try and take down. Like we supplied the Taliban with arms when they were fighting on the same side as us. We gave them a whole bunch of stuff. Which Rambo was it where Rambo was fighting alongside those freedom fighters called the Taliban? Like we make arms deals with and we supply bad people. But this is more of a comedy. This isn't a, a kind of movie that's going to try and teach us a lesson by showing us this horrid story. No, this is more of a comedy because we have this we have this man who has this crazy revolutionary dream. He believes the only reason white people are in power was an accident, and he he, he believes that him and his ragtag group, his army of, I think it's like five other people, will start a revolution that will bring down the white man and bring black people to the power they deserve. In one scene, he's talking to his, his army, and they're in this little church, and he's on a horse, and he says, we have a horse now. And he just rides around on this horse in the middle of a Miami suburb or projects. I'm sorry. Projects is, a, is the proper term. So the FBI needs to, I don't know what they're trying to do. Are they trying to offload some ill-gotten money? Are they trying to, oh, I think it's, they're trying to get more funding. So they want to go, oh, look, all the good we're doing. We found this homegrown terrorist. So they need to find someone. And uh, Kendrick's character finds this person through a YouTube video or a Facebook page or something goes, oh, there's this guy. He's a little crazy. So they start fueling him with money. Turns out it's not as easy as they hoped because he doesn't believe in guns. So no, no, when they, when they try and send someone in pretending to be some terrorist, trying to sell him guns. He's like, no, we are not interested in guns here. This seems like one of those dry indie comedies. And if it seems that way, that's because exactly what this is. I think it looks funny. I think if you watch it, you'll watch a good movie. You'll watch something that may not be super memorable, but it's it's just good satire. And I think that if one other movie wasn't coming out this week, this could have been the pick of the week, just because I think it looks interesting. I think it has a lot of promise. And it's also just going to go by without anyone noticing, because I I have not seen, well, basically any of these movies so far that I've talked about, except in the shadow of the moon, I haven't seen any of them advertised anywhere. The Day Shall Come looks funny. The Day Shall Come gets an 8 out of 11. All right, next up, folks, we have a film called Abominable. And no, I did not take two takes to say that word. I totally did. I, I have so much trouble with that word. A magical yeti must return to his family. That's that's the premise. This features the voices of Chloe Bennett, Albert Tsai, Eddie Izzard, Sarah Paulson, Tsai Chin, Michelle Wong, and James Hong. Names you may not know, but I guarantee if you see them, which unfortunately you won't because, you know, it's an animated film, you'll go, oh, that person. Definitely I know I know him and or her. Anyway, you may have seen this one advertised. It's it's by DreamWorks, I believe. Yep, it is by DreamWorks. Uh, this movie has been advertised for a while. I actually saw a trailer for this very early in the year. And usually for a movie that's not huge, like they're not pushing us, oh, it's the next Shrek, it's the next Toy Story. You don't see you don't see trailers that early. But this is just a good family film. That's all it is. This doesn't look like it's going to be the, your kid's next favorite animated movie it's not it's just going to be fun maybe it, it'll make your child really want an abominable snowman hey jesus i did that in one take go me but i bet you you can find a plushie or something so this is cute this is cute and it's an interesting idea that's actually very similar to missing link that was it missing link that came to us from wow united artists i would not have oh that's just a distributing company who did who did this movie annapurna pictures Okay, sure, whatever. But this kind of feels like that, basically. The basic premise is very similar. But thankfully, for both of these films, the actual movies are quite different. Even, even though at the bottom of it, at the base, we have the plot of getting a Yeti slash Bigfoot slash Missing Link type creature back home. 
to the same area. But when it comes to a film like this, you just want to watch something that'll make you smile. You just want to watch something that's entertaining, maybe ultimately forgettable. Maybe you just want to take your kids out. Maybe you just want to feel like a kid for a night. This could be the movie for you. I mean, I've said a few times that it doesn't look great or, or memorable, but it also doesn't look bad at all. This movie is just basic fun. If you have a family, maybe check this out. Maybe check it out in theaters. It might be worth it. If you don't and you're not that keen on animated films, maybe skip it entirely or just wait to stumble upon it one day when you're going through Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, one of the many streaming services. Abominable. That I said a second time in a row, in a row, thank you, gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, the final movie that's not the pick of the week is a film called Judy. No job, no manager, no money. Legendary performer Judy Garland arrives in London in the winter of 1968 to perform a series of sold-out concerts, a job she took because she needs the money if she wants to see her kids. But unfortunately, taking the job takes her away from them. This stars Renee Zellweger from Jerry Maguire, Rufus Sewell from The Dark City, Finn Whitrock from The Big Short, and Michael Gambon from the Harry Potter series. He took over as Dumbledore after the death of Richard Harris. And let's be honest, I, I really liked Richard Harris. Richard Harris has done some amazing films, a great actor. He was a good Dumbledore, but I liked Michael Gambon's Dumbledore better. And yes, folks, this is the movie that I had talked about last week or the week before about how Renee Zellweger wanted permission Basically, and permission and tips from Judy Garland's kids, that's Liza Minnelli and Lorna Luft. But Lorna Luft had just come down with cancer at the time, so Renee Zellweger thought, maybe I won't bother her about this controversial biopic about her mother, right when she's battling cancer. So good on you, Renee Zellweger. And also Liza Minnelli just refused to speak to her. But it, it's probably because this is going to talk about her mother's addiction to drugs and the fact that Shortly after these sold-out concerts, she died due to a barbiturate overdose. Maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know, but I do respect Renee Zellweger for trying. I do respect her for that. As far as the fact that I'm still not sure if this film even needed to be made. Like, do we need to see this? It looks like Renee Zellweger does a fantastic job. If I didn't know it was her, I would not recognize her as Judy Garland. If Renee Zellweger has a renaissance, this is going to be the movie that starts it. She is brilliant in this. Other people are in it. Who cares? Look at her performance. But my question is, do we need to see this story? Was this a story that needed to be told? Do we need to learn about what's probably the lowest part in an American icon's life? And probably something that ultimately led to her death. Or maybe it's good this movie's coming out now. Maybe sometime years down the line, they will do a Judy Garland biopic of her in her heyday, of her when she was still America's sweetheart, and we will have forgotten this. Or, if not forgotten the movie, at least have the taste out of our mouths so when the if a film about her early life ever comes out, we can just look at this one, look at Judy, and go, oh yeah, that's how it ends, but let's appreciate her in her prime. This is going to be a sad movie. It really is is just with that there's a scene in the trailer where she's on stage and she's holding the mic i think her performance just ended people are giving her a standing ovation and she says promise you won't forget me and they start clapping even harder and she whispers to herself crying promise i'm like oh my god it hits you right in the feels because we have this person who was in one of the most iconic movies of all time and not only that, she was in the first version of A Star is Born. She was in Meet Me in St. Louis. But even if she did none of that, even if her career stopped right after, she did Wizard of Oz, which is untouchable. They can make a new Wizard of Oz movie next year, and they could pack the cast with as many amazing actresses and actors that exist today. And they could make it a technically perfect movie, but Wizard of Oz from 1939 is untouchable as time goes on more and more of these older movies will be forgotten it, it's just going to happen of course there will always be cinephiles and people who love watching these old movies but i truly believe that the wizard of oz is one of them that's always going to be around because there's something magical about it and just 
having Judy Garland sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, just that part is truly magical, which is why I'm so torn about this movie which looks like it's a fantastic performance. Oh my God, Renee Zellweger has never looked better. But do I want to watch a film about the fall of an icon? Do I watch it for the performance or do I not watch it because it's f***ing sad? And just made a joke that made me think of other movies I, I don't really want to see, just like the, the Whitney Houston documentary. And to, to give context, to not make her sound evil, there's a YouTuber she, she watches who gets paid to do movie reviews. And her movie review for the Whitney Houston documentary was that it was so depressing and she thought the ending would be more uplifting and that she left feeling a bit bleh. So here I am giving you f***ing gold and this mouth breather is getting paid to give reviews like that. Though to be fair, that like movie reviews aren't her thing aren't this YouTuber's main thing. And hey, lots of people watch her videos, so if a, if some if some company wants to pay her to give reviews even if, even if they're going to be dumb, it's just more it's just more advertising. That's great. So now that I explain that, I don't want to watch a Whitney Houston documentary. I'm not sure if I ever will because I don't want to remember Whitney Houston in that way. I don't want to remember her battle with drugs that we most of us lived through. Who here remembers that interview she gave where she says, I don't do crack. Crack is cheap. At least with these other movies that end really sad, like we have La Bamba, we have Selma, we have Amadeus and The Imitation Game. At least it's not a thoroughly depressing movie the whole way through, and that's what it looks like this is going to be. So there are many reasons I think this movie's not going to do well. First reason, and most shallow reason, Renee Zellweger's name doesn't carry much clout anymore. Okay, it's sad but true. Another reason people won't want to watch a movie about the downfall of a former American treasure. And then third, it's just going to be f***ing depressing. Good movie? Sure, why not? It looks like it's good. But you have to ask yourself, are you willing to watch a film that has no chance of a good ending? Judy gets a 7 out of 11. Hey, even though I'm probably never going to see it, doesn't mean it doesn't look interesting. All right, folks, let's finish this up with the pick of the week, which is a Netflix original movie called The Laundromat. A widow investigates an insurance fraud chasing leads to a pair of Panama City law partners exploiting the world's financial system. This stars Meryl Streep from The Devil Wears Prada, Gary Oldman from The Darkest Hour, James Cromwell from Babe, Antonio Banderas from The Mask of Zorro, Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct, Matthias Schoenarts from The Danish Girl, Jeffrey Wright from Broken Flowers, Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Will Forte from Nebraska, Chris Parnell from Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, Melissa Rauch from The Big Bang Theory, David Schwimmer from Friends, and Rosalind Chow from The Joy Luck Club. All right, this movie looks f***ing hilarious. Just because, like, Meryl Streep can sell me on anything. I would watch... God, what's something I have no interest in? Um, okay, the one of the worst books I've ever read is a book called Every Heart a Doorway from the Wayward Children series. If they made a movie out of it and Meryl Streep was in it, I would still see it, even though that book is cancer. But she's not what I'm most excited for in this. I am excited for the pairing of Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas as these like these quirky but ultimately evil insurance or law partners, not insurance salesmen, law partners. If you've watched the trailer, you've seen them together and they work so well and this looks so good. And it has that amazing added benefit. Say it with me, folks. It's on Netflix so you can watch it the day it comes out. And yes, that had so much to do with that being the pick of the week. It had so much to do with it. And then the cast has so much to do with it. Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman. That's all. That's actually all I need. Everyone else is just icing on the cake. This cake has so much icing on it. But the, but the actual cake part is amazing because we have two of the greatest actors of our time in it. I didn't like Into the Woods. I loved Meryl Streep in Into the Woods. I have to be honest, I've still never seen Doubt, the movie with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman, but one day I'm going to watch it, and you know why? Meryl f***ing Streep. So we have a film that it has a weird, zany, and unfortunately true story. Well, as true as a movie can be. This story of this woman who I believe loses her husband, which, okay, sucks. Yeah, sad. But then she goes tracking down 
this huge crime that's going on that no one's talking about. So can this woman who's lost so much and who's basically a nobody, I mean, she's not anyone important. I bet you she's a nice person. I bet you a lot of people, she has a lot of friends. But compared to two really super rich lawyers, who is she? So can she take them down? Oh yeah, it is her husband. She's a widow. Okay, yeah. So with this movie, the premise is the least interesting thing. We have that amazing cast. We have the fact that we get Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas together playing this oddball pair. We have the movie coming straight to Netflix. Those are the three big things right there. I did not expect this to be the pick of the week. I expected the pick of the week. As I was going through the notes for the show, I thought it was going to be The Day Shall Come or I was going to have to just hold my nose and make it Judy. But then I remembered the laundromat was coming out and it I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be a film like and stay with me for this one. Follow my follow my logic. A movie like Men Who Stare at Goats, where it has people who really like the movie, but you have to be willing to give it a chance first. And I think everyone should give this film a chance. I think it looks like it has everything going for it. And with it being on Netflix, what is the risk? There is none. What's the worst case scenario? Okay, Anne said, well, she watches it. It's terrible. And she dies as she watch, as she's watching it. So it's the last thing she ever saw. Okay, true. That is the worst case scenario. But the realistic worst case scenario is that you're not a huge fan of this. You don't like it. Maybe it's terrible. And you watch the whole thing. And at one hour and 36 minutes, oh no, you wasted an hour and 36 minutes. Boo hoo. And I forgot this is directed by Steven Soderbergh, who brought us movies like Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Traffic, Behind the Candelabra, Aaron Brockovich. He brought us the Oceans movies, Oceans 11, 12, and 13. I don't think he did eight. I think that was a woman. So this movie is in super good hands. And just go to the IMDb page. Just go to the IMDb page for this movie called The Laundromat. And if you see the same thing I do, you'll see the picture of Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas. And that alone should sell you on the movie. The Laundromat gets a nine out of 11. All right, folks, that is it for the movies. Let us jump into the question of the week, and then then we will send you along your way to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network. So let's hear our final break, our final word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're we're doing doing fine. And we're back. We are back with the question of the week, and if you do not remember, let me reiterate it for you. Which movie from the past few years have you still not seen, but still really want to? And before we get into the question of the week, Fratmat actually had a very interesting comment on the last episode. He was commenting on the trailer I was talking about for The Warrior Queen of John C., which is a film coming out about... India fighting against the British East India Company in 1857. And he says, and I quote, regarding the Indian movie coming out about 1857, I was watching Temple of Doom, because it's a great movie, over the weekend, and in the dinner scene with all the crazy bug food and monkey brains, they made a comment about the revolution of 1857 took place in the city and the palace they are in. And that's a very interesting fact. It's And it's random, too, because the whole... Let's face it, that whole dinner scene, maybe not the most politically correct thing we have ever seen, right? You know, the last time I was at an Indian restaurant, I didn't see chilled monkey brains on the list, and I was looking. Okay, I honestly wasn't looking for chilled monkey brains, but but you know, if something like that was on the menu, it would have made headlines. But it's an interesting fact that for something that's borderline offensive with the food that they were having, that they actually had some historical accuracy in it. Or who knows, maybe I'm 100% wrong. There was a time where they ate monkey, chilled monkey brains over there and live baby snakes 
And it's actually a very historically accurate movie. I don't know. But thank you, Frat Matt, for that very interesting tidbit. But let's go to the answers for the question of the week. And the first one we have is from Evan. Evan, who says... Hobbs and Shaw or Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Both fantastic picks. I assume for Dora. I haven't seen Dora yet, and I I do want to. It looks funny. But Hobbs and Shaw was hilarious. It was really fun. And it's exactly what you would expect from a film like that. It really is. We got another answer from AJ who says, Logan Lucky, and you should watch that soon. That was a a really good film. It's, It's one of the films, though, that Anne and I disagree vehemently on. I think that's my new favorite word, vehemently. We disagree wholeheartedly on this word. I loved it, she hated it. But AJ, I know your picks of movies, and you would like that. So now we turn to Twitter. Let's see if anyone answered on Twitter. Nothing from the Twitter side of things, but thank you for those of you who did like my tweet. Remind you to answer the question, but didn't answer the question. Thank you, though. So let's go to the answers from this very house. The first answer, of course, comes from Anne, who said, The Hustle. That's a movie from this year starring Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. They are both female scam artists, one low rent, the other high class, who team up to take down the men who have wronged them. And I'm down. I like Anne Hathaway. I like Rebel Wilson. This is a win. As for my answer, uh, there's so many movies I haven't seen since, for the past few years, so many that I want to see, but I... If I had to narrow it down to the one I get to watch next, the one I want to see the most... It would have to be Rocket Man. I love Elton John. I love Taron Egerton. What's what more do I need? And just gave me good news. We're on hold for that movie in the library, and we're play sixty two. Oh, that's such good news! Any day now, we'll be watching it. Yeah, one hundred twelve. Any day now. Or you know, I could have answered "Call Me by Your Name" and watched some Peach Masturbation. Anne just read the book, and she's telling me about it as she, as she was reading it, and it sounds horrifying. Like, no, no thank you. And because I count, I, I try to make this a family show, you know, I, I bleep out the swearing, I try not to talk about any topics too disturbing, though I will if they're in a movie, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention the, the sort of things that went on in this book. So, um, and apparently went on in the movie too, even if it has two actors I really like, no, no, I'll stick with Rocket Man. thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we need a question for next week. And that question is, well, actually, we're going to flip the last question. So which movie from the past few years do you have no desire to watch? And for the sake of making this fun, don't pick some straight to DVD horror with tits popping out every five minutes. No, don't don't name one of those. Name a if you can name a bigger movie, either a blockbuster or a bigger indie film. Name something notable that you have no desire to see and you can tell us why you have no desire to see it or you can just say the movie's name and leave it at that well my future friends that is it for episode 152 of future flicks with billiam so without further ado let us go right into the closing housekeeping you can find me on apple podcasts soundcloud spotify stitcher and google play as well as any podcast app you can also find me on the somewhat nerdy website to that somewhat nerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the somewhat nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>